welcome again now that I'm actually recording. Uh, welcome to everyone who's joining us on live stream this morning, who's at home. Welcome to those of you that are here in the sanctuary. So excited to see you again. I know some of you have been traveling. I actually missed your faces. Amen. So as you know, we have been in a sermon series entitled Resurrecting Hope. This is a series we started as early as Easter Sunday. And I don't know about you, but it has been blessing me to review and revisit the scripture and how it pertains to us reviving hope again. Dreams, yes, thank you. Dreams that sometimes may go dormant, but as we continue to remember what the word of God says, we begin to remember how to apply it to our lives. And so this morning we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. We'll also be in Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I'm not actually ready for those scriptures yet, so you can't actually take me back to the resting slide. But I want to, as we go forward in this series, um, cover a couple things because what we have been learning is that this resurrection gives us power to face the difficult things that come our way. And because Jesus overcame death and the grave, there is nothing that we could possibly come up against that he cannot handle. Say, he can handle it. Now, Week one, we discovered that his resurrection was a shock to Mary Magdalene at the tomb that Easter morning, but that she was filled with hope to know that he was yet alive. And then we discovered in week two that Peter was restored after his denial of Jesus three times by the love of the resurrected Savior. Jesus' grace overcame all of his failings. Aren't you glad that Jesus' grace overcomes your failings this morning? And then last week, we found hope in the fact that Jesus wept at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And we, we discovered that he feels our pain. And yet has the power to heal our pain. And all of this gives us a resurrected hope for our lives as well. And I pray that it gives us a resurrected hope even on this Mother's Day because I recognize that while I'm excited about being able to take photographs downstairs with my children, that many of us are grieving a, a silent pain on this morning because mama already went home to be with the Lord and because there are other things that have happened in our lives that make this a little bit of a painful day and so I'm so glad I was communing with some of my um, friends in ministry and one admitted that she used to skip going to church on Mother's Day because it was so painful for her and so I made a commitment today that because this is God's house 
And the whole point of you being able to walk through those doors is that you should be able to feel God's presence and that he should speak to you and just wrap you in his love, that this is the day that you will feel overwhelming, amazing love in the house of God. And we thank you for being with us on today. Amen? That may you feel her love from heaven as we are moving forward in our service. Now, our final week of the series, we're going to bring it in with a bang. We're going to visit the last time Jesus is with his disciples before he is arrested and taken to the cross. So let's, that's what we're going to do. And then evangelists, do me a favor because I forgot to write down the page number this is in the, the house Bible. So while I'm getting ready, if you could just get that for me, the house Bible, I want to know what page John 17 verse 20 is when I get to that. And I want to know what page Ephesians 4, 1 is. Because we just want to make it easy for you to find it. The page is small. The numbers are fall. We want you to be able to follow along and to receive the word. Amen. So in our final week, as we're talking about this, one of the things that I think we have to really understand as we look at this in context is this is Jesus knows he's about to die. And one of the things that we discover about death as before people pass on, they're not thinking, geez, I wish I would have remembered to change the antifreeze in the car. They're not thinking, oh, that picture I took on Instagram, the filter was all wrong. They're not thinking about the trivial things that we sometimes get caught up in, the mundane things. They are thinking about the relationships they wish they had restored the people they wish they had have talked to and asked to be forgiven and given forgiveness of. They're thinking about how they wish they would have spent a little bit more time with this person or that person. And as we think about that and put that into context, remember Jesus is fully human like us. So as he is getting ready to prepare for his death for us, he knows that these are his final days, and so that makes this story that I'm going to share with you even the more important because the other thing you will find people do before they pass is they give you instructions. They start telling you, if they know that they're going, this is what I want you to do, take care of your baby brother. This is what I want you to do. This is what's important to me. And now I'm about to share with you what Jesus is telling us in his final days is important to him. So let's look at it from that context. As he enters Jerusalem for the very last time, he's accompanied by his disciples. Jews from all over the world have flooded the area because they're coming to celebrate the festival of the Passover. They would commemorate the time in history when God rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt by sharing a Passover meal. So Jesus and his disciples find themselves eating the Last Supper together. So are you picturing this with me? There's a festival. Everybody is excited. They're celebrating the Passover. They're all sitting at this table together. And he washes the disciples' feet. And then the Gospels record Jesus' final prayer. Are you there? All right. 
John chapter 17. What page is that? Turn to page 518 if you're using the Blue House Bible. We're going to John chapter 17, verse 20. Thank you for the slide, Anna. These are some of his last words before his death, and I will read them to you. Jesus prays for blessing over his ministry up to, but wait, let me, hold on, it's a little bit too big. Okay. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and thou hast loved me. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath now known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus prays here for a blessing over his ministry up to that point in time. He prays for protection for his disciples and power through his word. Many refer to these verses as the priestly prayer of Christ. Now in verses 20 through 23, Jesus turns his attention towards his believers and followers. And what is unique is that this prayer is not just for those who were currently following him, but he is also praying for anyone who would decide to believe in him in the future. So the prayer is not just for Peter and James and John. The Peter is for you and me, for Doug and for Mark and for Ford and for Colleen. The love of God unites us all. If you're taking notes, somebody put that down. The love of God unites us all. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? Let's look at that. The world we live in today is incredibly divided. We are fractured along political lines, along theological lines, and everything in between. It seems we are always looking for a reason to entrench ourselves in an argument that ensures division. I remember when the pandemic hit, I felt personally attacked as a body of Christ when there was division even in the church. 
Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you get vaccinated? Do you not get vaccinated? Any opportunity the enemy can find to fracture us into small little pieces and divide us so that he can conquer us, he goes for it. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker. The Bible says it was because of God's great love for the world that he sent his only son. Did you catch that? Did it say it was because of God's great love for America that he sent his only begotten son? He said the world. God loves every human being on the planet. Now, I know that messes with us because we feel special. <laughs> so if we can follow all the rules and do all the right stuff, then we feel entitled because he likes us best. God loves every single human being on the planet. And there is no one who was beyond the love of the Father. I hope that's good news to some of you who don't have it all together, who don't make every decision properly, who have not managed to wake up every morning and get through the whole day without making any mistakes. It's good news to us that he loves us and that there is no one that is beyond his reach. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've ministered to someone and they have disqualified themselves from the love of God because of what they've done or where they've been or what they've gone through. I think that we have to remember and hold on to this because I believe a little bit of that seeps into our thoughts and our thinkings as well. We get a little disappointed in ourselves, like how Peter got when you know you kind of really messed up when you clearly understood the Bible and then did the absolute opposite of what God has instructed us to do, we kind of feel that, okay, maybe this time if I pray, he won't hear me. Jesus came to unite us under God's love that we might be one with each other and one with him. Did you catch that? That we might be one with each other and one with him. I'm so excited about that this morning, Excel Church. Amen? I mean, we've made, come on, give God a hand. Because as a church, we've made an intentional effort that we are going to be one in Christ. Amen? You may vote different. We may sin different. We may look different. But guess what? We are one in Christ. Now, what a powerful view of unity that looks like. Unity does not mean uniformity. Amen? Amen? I love the fact that we're so different. Alex, don't you ever start, stop wearing your beautiful suits. Amen? Amen? And listen, Leah, don't you ever stop wearing your jeans. Amen? And the crop tops. <laughs> and I believe, God, that there will be people who will be able to come in here that have to come in their scrubs and go to work afterwards. And guess what? I want them to feel comfortable too. Amen? Unity doesn't mean uniformity. 
I'm not asking you to surrender who you are so that you can fit in. I want us to understand that God loves us all. And what a powerful view that is. The resurrection hope of the world is not predicated on every Christian looking and acting as carbon copies, as some might have you to believe. But instead, as we turn our focus to Jesus, don't we all want to be as close to him as we can be? Amen. I think it really, it, it just glorifies God because, you know, one of the things, I, I love my versatility because I've, I've had little and I've had much. And I've, I, I can be in different environments and still feel that I can relate what the gospel is saying to whoever it is I'm interacting with. And I think that we have to allow ourselves that freedom. Don't put yourself in a box. Don't feel like you can't, you don't have anything you can offer or share with this person because you don't have as much money as them or you don't have as nice clothes as they do or you don't have as much experience in the body of Christ. What is so amazing about God and what I found is there'll be someone, it may not be their cup of tea because they may be thinking to themselves, well, oh, you know, I don't believe in, you know, this type of attire or I don't believe in this type of thing. But when you find who God has created you to be, and you own that authentically, without any pretenses, you give other people who are right where you are, right in your environment, just like you, the freedom because they begin to think, oh, you mean to tell me I can be a Christian and I don't have to be, they have this thing in their mind, they have this thought in their mind and you set them free. You give them the ability, they see your pictures and your posts and you're like, you just came from church? Well, wow, I didn't have a suit. I didn't know you could come to church if you didn't have a suit. Of course you can come if you don't. You're breaking down barriers by being your unique self and sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel on the college campus. I remember before I gave my life to Christ, I was on a college campus, and um, we were all, you know, having our little drinks and things like that. And one of the students, we offered her a drink, and she said, I don't drink. And we all looked at her, and she was like, just give me an orange pop. And we gave her an orange pop. And then as we kept, we had a great time. She had a great time. We did what we did. She did what she did. And I remember as a young person coming to Christ, I was watching thinking, I can do that. I can come to this party and say, I don't want to drink. And I, she still had an awesome time and was able to get home and wasn't stumbling and didn't have a hangover the next morning and all the other things that came along with that. It gives you the empower when you begin to own who you are in Christ. No matter what's going on around you, no matter how differently others are operating, you re don't recognize it, but you are inspiring somebody. You are encouraging somebody. You are showing them, wow, there's something to this thing of walking with Christ. Many of you are in the workplace and you can identify with being at a job where maybe everybody's late. Maybe no one gives 100%. Maybe everybody's in the lunchroom talking about the boss like a dog. But then you, when they're doing that, walk out the room and go cash in on your register and start working. You don't always have to be aggressive and loud to make a point, right? Sometimes you make a point by just being different by just doing better. 
by just letting your light shine and what God has done in your life begins to speak to them. Because what will happen one day is they'll ask you and you'll have the opportunity to share your faith. See, that's how we bring God glory. We've been talking about this throughout this whole series. Sometimes it's not in the ways that we think, and sometimes those ways are easier. It's easier for me to just put a bumper sticker on the back of my car that says I love Jesus. It's easier for me to just put a cross on my neck, and that's my, I did it. I showed everybody I was a Christian I have a cross on, but my life doesn't match the cross. But it's so much harder but so much more beneficial to us personally and to the kingdom of God when we really put forth the work and they know that we love God because we're able to close our mouth at a time where anyone else would have lost it. This is why we focus on coming and hearing the word and being renewed because if we were to just make our decisions based off of what everybody else in the world was doing, we would be in a lot of trouble but we're looking to Christ to be our example. And he is sharing with us here that he wants for us worldwide and throughout history to allow our hearts to be tuned to him himself. Did you catch that? To allow our hearts to be tuned, to have an ear to hear what our father is saying to us. Now that means you might have to turn the volume down just a little bit on the news channel because they're giving you what you're supposed to think. But we, come on y'all, us, no matter what everybody else is doing. Did y'all have mamas that used to tell you, I don't got nothing to do with what them kids is doing, you mine and in this house, we're gonna do. That's kind of how it is with the body of Christ. I don't care nothing about what the rest of these crazy folks out here doing. But for you, my Christians, my children, my believers. Come on, y'all. I expect better out of you. You be the example. You show them what unity looks like. You show them what love looks like. So we have to, in essence, fight for unity. We have to fight for unity. My daughter's in an amazing message at her school. She's a part of this organization called Embrace. She uh, attends Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy, and the population of African Americans at her school is really low. And so they're making some efforts to try to help everyone understand the diversity and to bring everyone together. And so she was charged with giving a message about unity, and she did an amazing job. I was very proud of her. And as she did that, it was something that was a reminder to me because you really have to fight for unity. Because if we're not careful, we like to kind of group with people that think just like us, that agree with everything that you agree with, that make you feel comfortable. And so when you fight for unity, you have to grow spiritually. You have to grow personally. You have to grow to the point where you can say, I see your point. I don't fully agree with it, but I see it. That's maturity. That's maturity to be able to sit in a room with someone and discuss something, and then if you don't agree, then you still can be friends. Oh my God. Did you know that? Did you know that you could disagree on Facebook and just keep scrolling? Did you know that? Did you know you didn't have to stop and make mean, insulting comments on the post because they said something you didn't agree with? That's where we are. That's how we show our light. 
by being different and by being willing to understand that we may not see eye to eye on everything, but let us keep our eyes focused on what we do see eye to eye on. Jesus Christ is Lord, and we want to bring him glory. And will it bring him glory if his children are here fighting and arguing and bickering and getting nothing accomplished? Or will it give him glory if we decide we don't have to agree on everything, but what we are going to do is we're going to lift up his name together. What we are going to do is we're going to come and we're going to serve him together. What we are going to do is we're going to build the kingdom of God together. That's what God is asking for of his children. And so as we see that in this context, that these are his final words to us. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but I have, where someone that's close to you is dying, and they're saying to you, listen, all this little bickering with you and your sisters and brothers, I want it to stop. And you know how important that is. They want to go in peace. They want to go knowing that their children are going to be okay, that y'all are going to look out for each other, that you're going to help each other, and I need you to see these words, these commands with just the same importance and emphasis that Jesus is asking us to be the example and to show the world to be a beacon of hope to those who are watching, those who are far from God, witness that love that exists between his followers and that they might be drawn themselves. Don't you know that the love is just as contagious as COVID. The love that we have in our heart as we begin sharing it with others, that they will come to know Christ through our love. So then as we go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, page what in the Bible? Page 564 in the Blue Bible. Because it's a, it's a little bit heartbreaking to read his final prayer, what he cared about most, and then think about the current state of his church today. Today, I think we focus on how to be at odds with each other rather than how to give God glory. And I'm grateful that Excel Church is being planted on a foundation that is totally different. Are you there? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. As we're closing this morning, in verse 3, Paul says that we are to make every effort to keep the unity of peace that has been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's going to hit each and every one of us differently. For me, it's hit differently in terms of, I don't know if you've ever felt like you were entitled to be mad with someone, and you probably were. They probably said something they shouldn't have said. But when we said fight for unity, that means that after they've said it, after they've done it, and after you realize you're very perturbed by it, you take a step back, and rather than to sever that tie and say, you know what, I'm sick of them. 
I don't want to be bothered with them anymore. I'm not taking their cause anymore. You're fighting for unity. You're fighting to see if this relationship can be salvaged. You're taking another look at it. You're willing to be mature and say, okay, let me tell you why I haven't been taking your calls. The last time we talked, I think you went a little bit over the line. That I was offended by that. You, you give God the opportunity to work in these fractured places so that he can be glorified and he can begin to do a work in your lives. Because how many of you know that some of those relationships can actually be salvaged? Amen? Some of them it's time to go. But you won't know that until you know that you weren't quick to be offended. You weren't quick to take the offense. You weren't quick to be the one to, to call it quits. But that you have sought unity and asked for God to come and to move in your relationships, in your heart, so that you can walk in such a way that brings him glory and draws other to him. I'm grateful this morning as I look at you, Excel Church, and how we come from every walk of life, how we come together every Sunday morning and just give his name praise. Now, can you go make that contagious? Amen. The things we're afraid of, you can come, John. The things that you are afraid of, the things that you feel like are hard to do, we can do more together than we can apart. That would be the, the pin in this message this morning. I need you to understand that the mission that God had, and I never had really thought about this until I was looking at this and preparing. Do you know Jesus could have done everything he did all on his own? Have you ever thought about that? He didn't need them, he's Jesus. He could have did every single thing he did on his own. No more movement. Not yet. We're doing, we're not ready to move. He could have done everything on his own. But yet he invited 12 disciples to come and do the work with him. He's inviting you this morning to come and do this work with him. I can tell you, I couldn't have did this work alone. It took a lot of help. It took Ford coming in on Wednesdays and Charmaine coming in on Saturdays and Evangelist coming in on Sundays and Mark coming in off vacations on Zoom calls. And it took all of us together. And there's a mighty, mighty, mighty big work that God wants to do in this community through us. But so many of us are hurting and we've got our own issues, we've got our own problems and we're not even thinking about what it is that God wants to do with us. But I'm asking you this morning as we extend this opportunity for prayer, would we just take a moment and just see what it is God is saying to us? I know you may feel like you're disqualified because you still got this and that going on in your life and you may feel like you're not able and you're not worthy and God can't use you but the devil is a liar whether you're watching us at home or whether you're here in the sanctuary this morning I want to invite you to join God at work 
God is doing a work in Cuyahoga Falls. God is doing a work in this Akron area. God is doing a work through you, wherever you come from. You're coming from Cleveland. You're coming from Macedonia. You're coming from Canton. Wherever you're coming from, God wants to do something in you and send you back to where you are so that his glory can continue to multiply in this earth. So would you surrender this morning? Would you surrender all your worries, all your fears, all your concerns? And if you feel the Lord pulling on you, if you feel the Lord touching your heart, would you just stand right where you are? I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. Every eye is bowed. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one is looking at you. This is just between you and this is between God. And we want to extend this opportunity for you to partner with him, to get closer to him, to receive from him eternal life and everything else that he has that he wants to offer you. We're going to give it just a few more moments. Don't be shy. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If everyone that's in this room knows the Lord, and if God is just speaking to someone at home, we're just going to ask you right where you are to text EXCEL to 330-403-8088. As you do that, I pray that God will be able to continue to work with you as we are closing out our service in prayer. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. We thank you that they heard your word. And we thank you for the way that that word is going to take root and manifest in their life. God, we thank you for every person who is committing their heart to you right now, committing their ways to you right now, and seeking you for deeper clarity, deeper, deeper understanding. God, we thank you for every unspoken prayer request, the prayer request that we don't even know about, Lord, but that you know about because these are your children. Touch every one of your children. Meet every need in this house, Father God. Heal every broken heart. Touch every area that is fractured, that is in any way in disrepair. And fill it with your love. Fill every crevice with your love. Forgiveness in their hearts, God. Bless them in ways that they've never seen before. I pray that you would enlarge their territories, that they would have more territory to take for you, more influence for you, more clients for you, more customers for you. Increase on their job, Father God. Give them more influence. Take them to management positions if that's what they desire, Father God, that they would have more influence in every place that they go. God, I thank you for every student. I thank you for every final that they've completed. I thank you that you are breathing upon them right now and refreshing and renewing them God, that they would be able to serve you. Lord, we thank you for each and every mother that's in the house this morning. We thank you for how, even if their children haven't called yet, even if their children haven't given them, oh, the praise and the honor that they're due. We thank you that they will feel your love this morning in this house. And we thank you that they will feel the celebration of love for the members of this church. God, we thank you for every person that may be missing their mother this morning. 
We ask that you would just fill their hearts with love and fond and precious memories and that that will carry them through the day, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper and that they should walk in the abundance with you. We ask all of these things in your holy and sacred name. Somebody say amen. Amen.